Everybody, welcome to another installment of Show to View with Mike G, the show of life, the show of London, the show of travel, white lion, dandelion, and so much more. Today we're sitting down to talk with Ryan Shetty Awarden, uh, Mr. Lion as he's known in London. I was out in London and Scotland just last week and got to do some great interviews with people, but I've been trying to interview Ryan for some time doing the show eight plus years now. He and I finally got together talking in this dark but beautiful kind of purple backlit screening room a few floors down at the Sea Containers Hotel there in London. And we talk about life, we talk about art, we talk about the massive body of work that he and his team at the Lion folks have done over the past 10 years as they're celebrating 10 years of White Lion, which I got to visit in 2015. So without further ado, I hope you all enjoy this great chat with Mr. Lion himself. It's a good question, and I think we've done a lot of kind of soul searching and exploration of of that idea. Like even when we're looking at trainings with the team, sometimes we're trying to remove the shackles of the past, and we're right. trying to yeah. to unlearn and make sure that we're not just kind of I suppose hemming ourselves into the formulae, the rigidity of things that have existed. Even though you know those classical structures are, are wonderful, yeah. we're trying to make sure that we're not just biasing ourselves through that that process. But sometimes we also go, there's not a need to create something new for the sake of it, particularly if it's not going to connect to people. Uh-huh. The idea of newness is, is, is kind of like a, a lovely kind of conceptual idea, uh-huh. but it's also about going, well, the point of what we create needs to have an end user. It needs to connect with people. Yes, yes. So if it's so abstract, if it's so new, then are we running the risk of creating for ourselves? And, you know, there's, we, we talk a lot about kind of like product and product led innovation versus like market led innovation. And I think we stray between those two points of, of reacting and understanding what's surrounding us and also then just going, well, actually, can, can we do this a different way? Yeah. Can we invent a new technique of, of, of kind of looking at this in a different manner? And I suppose in one sense, you could be like, as a result of doing that, it's a completely new right, thing. Right. Um, but it's, it's also about that, that balancing act of going, why do we want to create something new? What is going to be the the purpose of doing it through that kind of like thought mm-hmm. process? And ultimately, does it create something meaningful on the other side? Absolutely. I think there's certain things that we've done and we've we've kind of looked to create something and then we've sense checked ourselves of going, you know what, this is probably a, a bit too niche or this is just for us. Right. And that doesn't feel worthwhile. When you, the ego, one's ego, yeah. Because you've been bartending quite some time and then, of course, quite a different establishments across the world. Where is your ego now? Do you think that when you started, you had a little bit more to prove? In other words, a little bit more you, a little bit less the customer? Not in terms of service, but in terms of the ideas. Um, I think any point where I was, I suppose, really inserting myself into that that kind of situation... I wouldn't describe it as ego, and, yeah. and that's me trying to be as frank and, and honest <laughs> as possible. Because it was always about 
you know, we talk about wanting to change something or to open up dialogue or, or to push it into a new direction. Right. And that was never about the self. Like, and I think that's a, again, it was an important sense check because when you're creating something, there is something nice about expressing yourself and being able to pull something out from you that you've known about or you've felt and you have an attitude to that you want to see out in the world. Right. But I think in our early points of work, it's no different to what we're doing now. It wasn't, it hasn't changed that tact. We still want to invite discussion and we want to, to push our industry forward. I'd say the bits that I do because I need to create them mm -hmm. don't really manifest in our work in that way. I think, I you know, I, the, I went through this kind of like in my head about, you know, as a young artist, do I need to be able to kind of express in this way? Is this going to be my output? And I still do bits of that that I, I do for myself. I still draw and I still mm -hmm. do kind of other creative that's, outputs. That's your medium is drawing or did you paint as well? No, I was I was drawing. I was I was never I did fine art mixed media, so yeah. I would try and do bits of sculpture, ah, I'd do okay. bits of kind of etching and kind of even photography, but it was never using that in a traditional way and right. it was never but painting was never one for me. <clears throat> but um in terms of the work that we do, the aim is never Oh, I need to express this, and this is something I need to get off my chest right. or or bring out to the world. I think that's why I've liked the the kind of more collaborative, creative process that we've been doing as a company, mm -hmm. and and the way that we've looked to do it democratically as a team, have everybody involved and pull all of those different perspectives. Because there isn't that need for me to be able to like pull something out R for myself, right? Which is is interesting too. Is as we get older, we become we, we you can't any longer be the example. You have to be part of the whole process, right? Because if you're Sometimes you're you're leading top down, right? Which I I hate that happens. Yeah. But, but with the team who I've had the pleasure of meeting, a couple of folks have, have been part of the team. What do you think's one common personality characteristic that the team maybe has to have or just does have that encourages this innovation, mm. keeps pushing it forward? Well, I think we we never separate the product from the experience. So I think the care is really important, and mm. I think that stretches in some different ways. So firstly, it's about thinking specifically about the person in front of you what yeah. do you need to connect to them what is it that they need that they might not even know for themselves mm. that you need to reflect in in their experience or the drink they need to have or, or, or whatever it might be yeah right um so that care aspect is really important but that also extends to you know the details that we put in the the, the kind of i suppose the consideration around every little facet mm -hmm. of the the product that we can hone and, and kind of focus in on but it's also the desire to do something different. And I think that's probably been one of the key things that we've kind of encouraged for, for both a recruitment point of view, but also from a work operational point mm. of view is going, you know, we want to be able to, to not just repeat ourselves. We want to be able right. to encourage them to think outside of their usual way of working and to, to kind of grow, you know, to have that kind of evolution of their creative output. Mm -hmm. So being able to, to know that they're, they're going to, do something different is is kind of important and that's you know there's a there's a sense that become a little pedantic where you're going i've got to create for the sake of it i've got to be new i've got to do something you're talking different. to exactly the right person <laughs> i had to stop making music for a little while because it was becoming compulsive sure you know and creating can be a, no, an opioid uh, absolutely you, you know and i think there is there's ways to you know, I've, I've had this discussion again with lots of friends, particularly from like art school days of going, you know, is it 
inherently destructive because there is ah. an obsessiveness around it and you're you're always chasing that high and and those moments but i think you know one of the reasons why i loved the hospitality world of of kind of like that as a creative output is actually the the high you chase is is people's joy uh -huh. and so you get to see the reaction in it and like you know not that you don't get that in other expressions of art but it's so immediate Absolutely, in the world of yeah. hospitality tactile because yeah, exactly you're, you're, there's a physical tangible thing that we can exchange with one another yeah and that is the one of the last vestiges of culture 100 right because movies while well, we're in it oddly enough in a screening room yeah which i would come because i love going to the movies yeah and most people are like yeah, i'll just put it on my phone so you take the whole experience out of seeing a cinema you yes know? yeah you, you there's there's definitely been a movement well quite wholesale across the world of 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 exactly that it's it's become kind of led by convenience whereas mm -hmm. these tactile things you you can't remove that because it's until we get into the stage where you're you're, you're absorbing nutrition just from a functional point right. of view yeah but i just i think there'll be a natural repulsion against those kind of things because we do need those moments of, as social creatures that's really important and you know that's the reason why i think it's been very lovely for the people that we kind of attract as team members to to have that output of going right i'm gonna create something weird i get to express myself in this way and have ownership of it but i get to connect people to it right i get to see the, the the kind of impact of what this work is and i get to be part of that process as well i get to bring it to life for them i get to not make it about myself and an ego i get to help understand what they need and then use these various tools that we have in this space to be able to make that work harder and and, and more wonderfully for them yeah and and i love that because the way in which you talk about people i think means you love people yeah, you know, and that's something that's going away and away and away. So, and actually, I always consider these interviews like a jazz duo. Okay, I'm <laughs> I'm a shit drummer, but I'm <laughs> so maybe that's why the, the the pacing will go back and forth, right? But I think about needing that connection with people, this in person thing. This is why I would never do Zoom. I yeah. could I could have like said, hey, let's do Zoom. No, that's yeah. not this. This is different. And I think that there will be an inner core of people that will still buy vinyl. Yeah. 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 We'll still need to go to bars. They still need to connect like this. But how do you feel about things like AI, which you don't have to get into AI specifically, but how do you feel about technology itself kind of almost eradicating to a degree this interpersonal connection? Yeah. I, and I think this is a, a very crucial juncture for that, that, that kind of thought. Mm. And I think, you know, as somebody who was, you know, in science, you know, parallel to being in arts, I always talked about the fact that like, science is never inherently evil. There's nothing like wrong point, with right? it. Like there's going to be, it's always created from a perspective of, you know, you want to be as rigorous and think about this hypothesis mm -hmm. as deep as possible. It's the application part of it. So every time that we get a new tool, like there's a little bit of like, and it usually stems from greed of going, how can I use this to manipulate people to get something more for myself? Right, which is backwards, completely backwards. Totally. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's often so at odds with what that tool was created for mm -hmm. and you know i think there is a beautiful opportunity for all of the new technologies that are coming through to be about enabling more of this sense of togetherness and i think you know everybody came out the pandemic when they were you know ripped of that like into like sense of community connection. right yeah. absolutely and you know i think it's become very very important in people's minds but we've still allowed ourselves, despite kind of being made aware of that more kind of like poignantly than mm -hmm. we have done for, for a very long period of time, to, to kind of have these bits of technology and these tools kind of turned against us a little bit. <laughs> and, you know, I think there's a real important part of now of, of kind of regaining some of those 
kind of like tools and these uh -huh. different developments and going actually this is what they should be for we should be like stressing and demanding the importance of community and togetherness yeah and all of these things should enable that rather than be to the detriment of it you right. know we should be you know and of course it's it'd be very nice to view take a worldview that you could use all these technologies to solve all of life's problems sure. you know it's it, i'm not trying to be as um idealistic as that mm -hmm. but i do think we need to you know change some of the education around some of these things to make sure that we're going okay the tool isn't the problem it's either you know we are being lied to or manipulated around mm -hmm, certain mm -hmm. things around this and we need to take control of these things back or we just need to demand more of it you know we have the buying power as, as the public yeah. we have the the opportunity to, to to shift some of the ways that we view these things mm -hmm. and you know there's there's nothing inherently wrong with the majority of the pieces of technology coming out right. there i mean i don't know how people repurpose you know military tech is probably very directed <laughs> in terms of its application but uh -huh. you know the the rest of it is all there for us to be able to use you know and to that point because this is kind of a cute way to, to an anecdote but you know yeah. i have this robot vacuum yeah right you know those were created by the military not the vacuum but as a technology used to find bombs I didn't know that. That's what they were created for. Huh. So it was kind of the opposite. It was yeah. created for a thing. We're like, well, let's 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 get a little more lighthearted with this. Yeah. Thing. And then you get things vacuuming and cleaning your floors. It's, That's it's great. amazing, right? I mean, I suppose there's like this is again human ingenuity. Is you know, it all it takes is somebody to look at it something. Mm -hmm. You know, cling film was there to to treat burns victims, not mm -hmm. that. Oh, we I didn't realize that. that. Yeah, I yeah. Didn't. It was it was used as a way of of having something that would stick to itself and not to your skin. Mm -hmm. So when you've got burns, you definitely don't want to wrap it and, and all those things. It was a very complicated um, thing to treat. And so you ended up with with something that was was this application. Mm -hmm. And then somebody went, actually, this is really useful in a lot of other ways. We've overused cling film, so I'm not sure. saying that that's the... No, but, do, the, but the initial impulse was a good one. Exactly. Yeah. And I think there's so much opportunity to, to repurpose what we can use these technologies for. Right. And to make it... If we put people and joy and togetherness at the center of any circle mm -hmm. you can find ways to use any of these tools to benefit that and i think we've we've ended up just doing it slightly different we've put either you know money or the technology as as being the the, the kind of goal yeah. where actually if we just shift the perception they can become very like meaningful things for people and i want to talk about something that's meaningful mm -hmm. um, my partner a beautiful woman she works for at roosevelt room Oh, amazing. And this is going to come full circle. Huh. So she did, was there at Dead Rabbit and did the pop-up. And so she said, then we went to the Lioness pop-up. Yeah. And there was something, a banana, something that you guys did. She she had it with the team over yeah. there. And she said, because she's that kind of really detailed artist as well, and all of the details about the bananas, the temperatures, the pieces that you used, uh -huh. the team was so wholly forthcoming about those details. And that's that, that you only get there when you are mature enough to realize that you and your team can only you're the ones that can do it like that. Oh. You could give someone those same ingredients, right? And it wouldn't come out the same. Uh, uh, absolutely. And also, it's that's not something for us to be precious about. You know, I think <laughs> really? we, um, I love we, we, we love being able to share those things. I think, you know, the thing I've always said is, um, you know, everybody's situation perspective what they're trying to bring into the world is unique mm. you know if we can give case examples and it helps people then go oh i could do that with this thing i've got or actually that's a really nice way of thinking about something that i've got that's really abundant and mundane right. and like i can make it feel magical and you know that was our thinking that was the motivation behind going how do we take bananas turn it into something extraordinary using very everyday produce right right um 
I'm I'm happy if people just replicate that banana and they go, you know what? Now I've got a great banana ingredient. But also if it's like, oh, cool. Now I never thought of doing that. I could do that for my ingredients in this way. You know, that to me is what we should be doing as, as industries is sharing. Mm -hmm. You know, it should be about education. It should be about inspiration. And, you know, the more that we open up that dialogue rather than going, you know, this needs to sit in, in our little camp. And I think, you know, a lot of people have a, they see things as competition that aren't, right. you know, that, that, right. that doesn't need to be like, you know, I think the other side, I, there's, there's obviously been, particularly in the world of food and drink, a new flood of people that have come into it because it's, you know, it's sexy and cool to be in food and drink at the moment, that yeah. they um, perhaps are kind of trying to cookie cutter stuff they've seen elsewhere and go, you know what, we we're not doing this for passion. We're just going to throw this out into the world and mm -hmm, we're going to mm -hmm. take all the hot trends. But ultimately, I think people see through those things. I think so too. So there's no issue about being able to share the information. If somebody wants to be able to just try and rip off and just do a version of all of the hot things they've seen around the world, Power to them, but mm -hmm. I, I don't think it's a good strategy for them. Do you, do you know the word poser? Yeah. Because I know it's in the States. Do they use that in the, the UK? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's what I consider that to be. I almost consider it to be willingly disingenuous. Sure. Right, which it, which to me bothers me to no end. But but something that I wanted to commend you on and what I noticed, and I really definitely want to talk about White Lion back in the day, right, that I think, being from tech, I think what you've done, and with the team, not maybe single-handedly. No, right? Of course. You have created in, an incubator. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean for ideas yes I mean and that's actually I've never really thought of it in those words but that's always been the goal yeah. is to to set up a framework for allowing people to to kind of like come up with ideas and right. not be boundaried by things and you know be able to play mm. and you know I genuinely the reason why we share so much of that is because you know I, I think that's the way it should be you should be able to share these ideas and that you know the the line I repeat so much across well, everything is, mm. you know, a rising tide helps all ships. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's for the benefit of our industry, of, like, encouraging more people to think about food and drink in a deeper way, for people to step outside their comfort zone from a public perspective. The more that we can we can share and educate, mm. the better it is for everyone. So there's no need to hold on to these ideas and be precious about it because, yeah. you know, I think ultimately nobody wants to do that poser approach and just copy it's not actually very common that that's what people do. No, you're right. You're right. I, I really think most well, people... Well, outside of corporate concepts. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Um, and yeah, albeit, you know, what the corporates... They're, they're never going to change their colors. On yeah, that, so, that's right. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's much nicer to be able to, to current, encourage people. Now, I suppose the way that we try and tell our teams if they're, they're going and, you know, we're very lucky to have an amazing network of people in lots mm. of different industries that we call friends and we call on for, for lots of these different bits of, of kind of insight is we never ask people to do our homework for for them. So I say to the team, don't go to this leader in this field. So for example, Dr. Ariel Johnson or Dr. Johnny Drain, they've, they're, you know, from the food science world, they've mm -hmm. helped us so much with things. I was like, don't call up Johnny or Ariel and be like, how do I grow Koji? Because you could go <laughs> do your own homework and research yeah, that. For sure. If you're asking them to do it, that's really disrespectful of their time. Mm. But if you go, I tried doing this and I had this little thought about this mm -hmm. and I want to make sure it's safe or what might happen if I do this. The number of times we were early in the company and I would reach out to people that were, you know, material scientists or microbiologists or, you know, and you would mm. go to them with a curiosity. People that, are, you know, I was when I was in Edinburgh at uni, I was contacting 
the head of like you know multi-sensory perception at oxford so forthcoming with his wow, time yeah. and would be like wow that's great you're thinking on this here's some bits of information that will help you and have you thought about this incredible steer wonderful bit of insight and it's like th those are the sentiments that i think people need to think more on people do want to help and, and that what's so interesting is in this moment and not that you're helping me this is collaborative yeah. but you and your team were so willing to talk to me yeah, yeah you know what i mean and it's like you're a busy guy we, we both have stuff going on but Everybody's the fact busy. that you absolutely once that's the, the general thing that's like well everybody you know but i i think that i look forward to giving my time to those who ask Yes. That's yeah, where yeah, I'm yeah. at now. Is that kind of... We, Absolutely. It's almost it's, like mentorship, you know? Yeah. And I've... um, it, I suppose that's something that I've... The mentorship thing is almost like a parallel point because mm. I think, you know, what we've tried to do for the team is very much this kind of incubation approach. I, I love that as a... It's crystallized a lot of the way the oh, thinking. I really enjoy that. Um, But it's also kind of from an industry... I almost see it as a responsibility. If we're if we're saying that we're trying to push these, mm. like the boundaries of where food and drink can, can operate, we have a, a, a responsibility to, to share that information, to help other people to be able to explore those fringes and mm. not have to just go through the same steps to be able to, to carve out their little space. Um, but I think on the mentorship side, there's a, a different responsibility. Mm. And, you know, this is something that I, as, as, as a human who's woefully uh, disorganized and <laughs> is very thankful to have very structured people that kind of like balance out skill sets and uh -huh. we can we can work together to sure, create sure. harmony rather than it being everybody in a similar kind of like mental state that I am in. Um, but when it comes to kind of like that, you know, mentorship aspect of it, like that's a, it's a very different responsibility and it's something that I've noticed, you know, if you look at, you know, Alex, Ian, James, like all of the people that are, have been kind of like key players in our teams. They're, they're excellent teachers. Mm, mm. And I think that's a different, you, you start to notice how much of a, a specific skill set that is. Yeah. And, you know, I think it, across all societies, I think teachers have been devalued in a lot of ways. Absolutely, yeah. But, you know, I think mentorship is a, is a great way of being able to, to kind of like really channel and shape your way through, a, through an industry. But it's also something that's a very like, it needs to be a very thought out relationship from mm -hmm. both sides, mm -hmm. from the mentee and from the mentor. And like, I think it's, yeah, it, it's something I've been very wary of, of of late is going, how do I make sure that any relationship that we, or I particularly enter into, I can do the, do justice to that yeah, right. rather than just kind of being like, yeah, I can be a mentor and I can do these things. Cause I know that that's not my forte and I want to be very conscious about not wasting anybody's time. Right. The team, because I think it's a culture of the, the Lion team. Is that the right way to call it, the Lion team? Yeah. Yeah, that's fine, yeah, yeah. right? Open-mindedness, not yeah. judgment. And I was reading about you, you mentioned that your parents is maybe the model of where you got that openness from. Do you remember being younger and being introduced to massive cultures and different languages, different, you know what I mean? Like there's the, the, the larger than, than life, because that's that worldliness, I think, is what maybe makes us less yeah yeah know? i mean i think it 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 definitely did come from my parents it came from my sister i think you know we I, and i think I've, I've often tried to reflect on this and i think even when we were talking about waste mm. i mean i i think i approached that from a biological point of view and i was like after studying this it just doesn't make sense but mm -hmm. i think also it was it was seeded in earlier from you know buddhist parents who, who were very open-minded they were very um flexible with us 
they tried to expose us to as much as that, that they could. We wow. we were really encouraged to to not bracket ourselves. Mm. And, you know, I think that was, you know, and also as being like, you know, immigrants. Mm -hmm. I think they thought differently on, you know, coming into a new place and trying to, to kind of assimilate, but also kind of, I suppose, respect their background. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that balance, it's, it's got to be super tough for so many people. Yeah. But... I think that did also steer that that idea of that outlook of going let's not pretend that we know everything yeah let's remain open to stuff let's um let's make sure that we're i think you know I talk a lot about a sense of bias and you know what what do we you know i suppose blinker ourselves to mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and i think a big part of the company culture is to be like aware of that mm. and realize that there are different perspectives there are a lot of things that other people don't care about, even if we do a lot. Right. So we need to be conscious of those things and, and respectful of it and not just feel our perspective is is right. And that's, I suppose that's the kind of crux of it. We've never thought that we were right on anything or that it was the only way or, mm. or we'd solve the problem. It was about demonstrating and highlighting a different way of doing things right. and hopefully that being an encouragement for everybody to think wider on stuff. Not ever, you know, I think... When we opened White Line, a lot of people thought it was because we were being arrogant and telling people that they were doing it wrong. Mm. And that was not at all the motivation. We wanted to show there was a wider way of doing things. There was alternatives. Right. And, you know, I think for the people that still remain to this day, you know, like horrified by the idea of White Lion, <laughs> I think it's because they still see it as an affront to them. They still see it as something that we're saying what they do is wrong. Yeah. And but that but was never part of it. Yeah, that's not the... They're they're on the the, the defense totally for, for no for no particular reason yeah and speaking of white line when I first visited when I first met Ian there I I'd never had seen an experience like that reimagined uh -huh. you know what I mean yeah and it still blows me away and I still have a few pictures of my tr trip to, to to go visit and it was something that then changed the way that I thought about hospitality and th the way that I thought about rooms like, wow yeah it just blew my mind. And so as an artist yourself, I want to talk about the, the art piece, but has there ever been a piece that you saw that really blew the doors open, so to speak, to yeah. empower you to create differently or to think differently? I mean, I think there's been a couple. There's definitely, you know, you think on those moments in your, like particularly in your, your youth when you, you know, hear a piece of music and it, it changes perception yeah. and you, you live in it for a period of time. Oh. But like, I... I I also think there's one that's quite powerful to me because I remember being a young art student and I was still at school and we did a trip uh, to Madrid and I remember walking to a room and seeing Picasso, Picasso's Guernica mm. in there and I kind of, you know, I, you're in Spain, you kind of, you knew, I knew that yeah. you were going to see kind of Picasso works and I'd seen Guernica in a book. But the way that it was curated and you walked in, I was I was not expecting it to just appear. Mm. And the scale of it is also quite disarming. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking, and I like, you know, this this has happened several times, like it often happens when you've formed an opinion in your head. Right. And, you know, certain countries I've visited, you have a preconception about what it might be, or you have prejudices around like what is going to be the experience. Right. And I remember the first time I ever went and saw a theater show, I was like, what's going to happen? It's like stage, you know, how's this going to feel exciting <laughs> and then be mesmerized by human <laughs> beings being able to be there? But Gernica totally sideswiped me. And I remember just staring at it and 
you know of course there's a there's a lot of kind of like powerful imagery and, and what it represents is, is is quite an intense topic yeah so I, I suppose that's the point of it but i didn't expect it to do that and i remember being very aware of you know i must have been 14 or 15 mm. so I, I, it's not like i was like very young and it wasn't like i was like you know fully formed in my thinking either right. but it's it, it jolted so much self-awareness in myself about how much I li how little I understood about myself. Oh wow! To be able to be in the presence of something like that, to to take in the beauty, to take in all of the imagery, the allegory of of what it was trying to represent, mm -hmm. but also then to to realize that you know you think you know your your yourself, you think you know the way that you navigate the world and all those things, right. and then to have that like well really just shifted in your, your yourself is, is is quite a strange experience and you know it sticks out to me from that because but, you know, it's, it, it remains like a, a humbling point that which I is go back which to. is is it which, why i bring up white lime i wasn't involved with any of the experience uh -huh. but i get to consume it yeah you know yeah and that was the thing that was just it, it was re revelatory for me yeah it's like it can be done like this yeah you know what i mean and it's that same thing Art is art. Sure. It can be music, to your point. Yeah. It can be, obviously, paintings. It can be movies, any of that Absolutely. stuff. Absolutely. And for whatever reason, I stepped away from that experience there, loving life more. And, and it encouraged me to be more innovative in how I think. And so it, it moved me, much like that piece moved you. And I, I think that, in a way, that's never your goal, right? To create awe-inspiring or awesome things, right? Oh. No, Probably I mean, it, it's quite, it, it's been a week of hearing some lovely, you know, bits about what some of our spaces have meant emotionally to people mm -hmm. over the, the last week of our decade celebrations. But hearing that, it's, it's very wonderful to hear that. That's very touching. And I, I appreciate you telling no, me that course, story yeah. a lot. Um, but no, it's not that we're trying to, we're certainly not trying to, yes, we care about what we're doing. And we, we definitely feel like it's important in the way mm. that you should in any of your creative outputs. But it wasn't. I, I, I wouldn't have expected that's not the get the the, the aim of it. It wasn't mm -hmm. the, to go. We want people to feel the the gravity of mm -hmm. all of these mm -hmm. these things, but it was of course you want it to touch people emotionally. And the wonderful thing about creation is you never know what that resonance is going to be. That's right. Yeah. And you know it can be that you know it could be about this is a Gunnaker is about war, mm -hmm. and you want people to to realize all those things. But actually the 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 impact of it might be completely unrelated to that it that's could right be yeah completely, and same with you know as you say about white lion the you know it was meant to, to kind of challenge the role of a bartender space how you interacted what did it mean to to break down some of the barriers around hospitality but then to to also get people to think on the the idea of innovation mm -hmm. to to feel that it could be done differently is, is is amazing to hear it's it's so crazy because talking about the com compulsivity that at least that i have of, of creating things and in my case it's music and i've shifted to writing now and yeah so, amazing pop, 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 right like just but i do wonder and i ask you this question because often i ask questions of people that i respect because i'm trying to get an answer for myself as sure. well something i think that's a process that's what conversation that's, is that's healthy right that's yeah. like a natural thing the ideas have been so crisp and so resounding from the team over the years do you ever think you're not going to be able to write a hit again? Um, Does that ever occur to you? I think there's always a sense of worry about are we 
and it's not about the creative process it's about is it spreading too thin mm. are you giving enough time are you giving enough care to, cons to to make sure that you're putting the right output out there yeah but i i never worry about exhaustion of ideas because okay. i think as long as you're staying open to stimulus mm -hmm. and i think the research that we do the people that we converse with the places that we go and the fact that we always remain on a you know we're always trying to learn mm -hmm. and because that's the the shared perspective of the team i don't i don't feel worried that we're ever going to run out of ideas it's the infinite well I, Absolutely. I i agree with you yeah life is finite in our time yeah so you could fill it up with as much stuff and still have not fill it all you know absolutely. what i mean absolutely yeah do i have tried to understand what inspires me uh, -huh. uh conversations certainly inspire me these yeah. interviews always inspire me but if you're looking to perhaps break away and go to a place where you can create or you can ideate are there mechanisms that you have for that because like <laughs> are, are there places like go into the mountains or what yeah yeah well i think there's the classic one that a lot of people do where they talk about you know the moment they get into bed and they're like they have that clarity of thought uh -huh. and you know shower is, is is quite a universal one for people and I, I definitely have those as well there's certainly been bits where it's allowed i suppose you to cut out a lot of the other noise and so mm. your brain can just do a natural Good bit point. of yeah. like um you know the white noise of a shower is also something i think is quite useful yeah but um honestly i think some of the bits where i come back most invigorated is when i'm around and it's it's not just our teams i love walking into any of our spaces and i feel the energy of the teams and yeah. it just kind of like it, it spurs you on and you know if i go into the studio office and like all the bits that they're working on it just it reinvigorates but i get that feeling i mean when we when ian and i were first doing the development for for white line and some of the first projects we used to go into my sister's office and mm. you know her company was an innovation company so of course there was lots of creative things going on but it was just the buzz of human energy yeah like is is very energizing. <laughs> I know I've repeated that word in there, I love but that, I think yeah. it's like, you know, it's it is something that you feed off, even if it's unrelated mm -hmm. to the task you're trying to solve. Mm -hmm. So I think being around anything that feels like a hive of a passion and activity, and I think this is the reason why I say, you know, you go to a conversation, if you're speaking with anybody and they're passionate, it could be a topic that you would never have cared about, yeah. it feels invigorating. Yes. And, you know, I it's a it's a clear thing to the team it's like we should want to learn from anybody mm -hmm. if anybody is is doing something interesting if they're a leader in whatever they're doing we should want to learn from them even if it's completely unrelated yeah. to any of the tasks that we would do because not only can that shift your perspective and one little sentence might resonate and all those things that we talked about before about you never know what the emotional response is mm -hmm. but it's also just that energy aspect when you're around things that feel um alive yeah um and Vibrant, you know that's the reason electric, why yeah, yeah nature is important for this as mm -hmm, well like mm -hmm. you know there's i love the fact that there are you know therapies being developed where it's like go spend time in nature because that's also very rejuvenative and and, and kind of stimulating but yeah. you know the fact that if you can be around that kind of like energy it's, it's it's a magical thing so yeah i think that's probably kind of one of the key places that we we kind of maintain and i suppose sometimes consciously but often or not we just you know it, it happens in amongst the way that we work mm -hmm. you end up kind of like in these like very interesting circles that that's a powerful point for, for creation do you with such a, a plethora of work under your belt we'll say that mm -hmm. and team i'm, I'm credit everybody course, you know everybody please. involved 
Is a legacy something that's important to you? Leaving a legacy? Because that's somewhat tied to, to ego, which is, I, I yeah. don't think that's a, a problem. If the legacy no, no, no. is Ryan was a good dude, that's a pretty good legacy. You know? Totally. <laughs> and, and I think that's probably more, I think, where like it, it, it does like, um, you know, that, that feels much more interesting to me than like seeing your name up on a wall forevermore mm -hmm. or anything mm -hmm. like that. Like, <laughs> you know, the idea that it kind of like inspired like a, these were good people doing good things. Yeah. Like, you know, that's kind of been the tagline of the company is good things. And, you know, if that endures, that feels really nice yeah. because, you know, we want to see purposeful, positive change in the world. Like, you know, yes, we're ultimately making drinks, but any creative output, you know, you want there to be like that emotional connection for people. And that should not just be like a warm, fuzzy feeling that should kind of translate on and get like passed on as it goes to the world. Right. So, if we can introduce more positivity and that's the way that people view us and, and that becomes something that endures, that feels like we've done good. You know, it that. feels like we've, we've, we've succeeded in something that mm. is beyond just like that moment that we created it for. It's, it's got more of a, um, more of a long-term impact. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That, that would be something that I see as a valuable legacy. I think I'm with you, mm. you know, I think for me, I just want people to say, I w you know, I wish I had got a drink with it. Yeah, that's like the ultimate litmus for me for, yeah, for some 100%. reason. Through all of the troubleshooting and all of these innovative sessions you've had with the team, how how many of the ideas hit the cutting room floor? Would you say more that make it to the movie or less, mm. or is it a kind of an even? You know what? It's probably 60-40. That 60% makes it through. Oh. 40% gets cold. And I make a joke each time we do a new like menu launch that we should do a B sides one <laughs> because sometimes it's you know none of it's ever wasted because even if you go through the thought process and then for whatever reason it's just like that is not a goer right right you've learned so much through that process but often we'll still develop things it just doesn't fit for whatever reason you know it might you know even if you you're getting as granular as like the styles of drink that you want on a menu and you're like oh we've got too many of this style we don't need that other one even though it's it's great mm -hmm. like it's it's nice to have been able to to kind of go through that but it's also sometimes feels a shame to have things that you know were were solid and would have would have made it in other other ways yeah. but for whatever tiny little detail at the end it didn't quite kind of translate through um but I also kind of like that we've had that kind of body of like work. We've right. That's what it feels like. Yeah. yeah. B sides is a great way to put it. Yeah. Because it's still worthy totally. of, of its time and place. Yeah. But what is that time and place? Yeah. You know. I always think as well, like just to, to kind of carry on the B sides analogy, it's like, you know, and I, and I don't know if this is that thing where you're like, you know, you're really into a band and you're like, oh, but it was this B side that I really <laughs> loved. Um, whether it's just because it's not as like big as the main hits, mm -hmm. or because the B sides were. You, you kind of couldn't connect to them if you hadn't gone through the journey of the main album. It's a great point, yeah. And so, like, with some of these things, I do love the fact that, and, you know, people talk about, like, you know, they chat to the team, and, yes, they try some of the drinks, but then they give them something else to try. And, you know, that's the bit they're like. And it might be because they feel like they're getting something special that's off-menu or any mm -hmm. of those things. Or it might be because, to count, like, like the B-side thing, You've understood the menu. You've gone on that journey. You're bought into it. And so when you're presented something that would have been a bit weird by yeah, itself and yeah. probably wouldn't have been a main menu cocktail, but you can appreciate a totally different side of it as a result of that. So, yeah, maybe we will. We'll just I love like a that. Menu oh, man, that's so, yeah. yeah. It, it, 
their fans. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. so they'll bear stuff could get dark and weird yeah. and drony, <laughs> but people will still follow you on tour. Yeah. I mean, you keep using that analogy. I've got a couple questions left for you. One is, is there a flavor? I don't know if anyone's ever asked you this, but it just kind of occurred to me. Uh-huh. Is there a flavor, prof- not a profile, an actual specific flavor that you really don't like? Um, I don't like metallic flavors. Oh. So I, because I, I, I'm, I'm a total wuss when it comes to chili. I have a, just a very low No tolerance. way, really? Yeah. Like uh, comically low. Okay. But that's not because I don't appreciate the flavor. I just can't handle it. Mm. Metallic flavors to me just really jar. And I suppose the one where it manifests the most is oysters. So oh. I'm, I'm, I love shellfish, uh-huh. but oysters to me, like all I can taste is like a big whack of sea and metal. Oh wow! And so I, I, I really struggle with that as a profile. Um, and so much so that there's, you know, things like oyster leaf that aren't in any way related, uh-huh. but they have that kind of like metallic green note to it. Really? That I, and even some seaweeds, I, I, I struggle with them that way. So mm. that's, that's probably the only one where I... Yeah, I really don't enjoy it as a flavor. I like that, though. <laughs> no, I mean, because everybody always is like, what's your favorite drink? It's like, no, don't ask me that. What's your least favorite drink? Yeah. All right, now I can tell you that. Yeah. You know? I just, it's not even being negative. But it, to know what you really want out of life and things, you have to know what you don't I, want. I couldn't agree more. It's actually, to me, often when I'm chatting, again, trainings with the team, but also to friends who aren't part of the trade, I'm like, it's much easier to say what you don't like than to be like, oh, I really like this. And like, yes. you know, that partly because you want to step out of your comfort zone. You should be, you know, if you're in a setting where you've got a professional looking after mm-hmm. you, buy into what they want to give you. That's the nicest way to be able to experience it. But if you know you really dislike something, if you hate a niece, flag that. And that's the better yeah. goalpost to be able to have than the, um, oh, I usually drink a XYZ. Mm-hmm. And if you meet a woman who gets really, really angry when they're drunk, don't like that. So there you yeah. go. You can move on and kind yeah, of go, go to the other, other yes. direction. So I got all right, two questions left. This one I ask every, every, every guest, but I, I'm going to make it a little more pointed for you. So you're anywhere in the world, doesn't matter, drinking a fine cocktail that you and the team has crafted. Uh-huh. And you could have a conversation slash drink with any artist living or deceased. Who might you like to have a conversation and a drink with? Uh, I would have loved to have a drink with David Bowie. Oh. Um, partly because... You know, there was, again, like formative years, particularly the kind of like Ziggy Stardust mm-hmm, era. It was mm-hmm. just like it landed a point um, for whatever else was going on in my life that it just it felt so like powerful to me. Oh, but also, I think just the the idea of not letting success boundary your desire to innovate. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's very difficult sometimes. And I think we've been really fortunate that we've never, I suppose, we've never made the business about money. So it's like, it's never been come up as a barrier when we've been doing things. But a lot of people asked, you know, when we were closing successful bars, they were like, you know, is that like, does that make sense to do? And to me, it was the most logical thing to do. And, you know, it's always surprised me how much that still felt very strange to people. And I think to speak with somebody like Bowie, who, you know, really would have been at the height of like a certain part of, a sound or a character or yeah. an album, the fame of that to switch and kind of do something completely different. And, you know, there's other artists that have done this to, to great success, but I think in a period where, you know, he also challenged 
what does sexuality mean right, what does right. what does it look like what does it look like yeah. what you know who are the people that i interact with where do i go for these things mm-hmm. you know there was there was a real lack of fear mm. and i think that's you know fear is obviously a very it's a difficult thing to to understand let alone control but to be able to be faced in a very different world in a very different time and to still come across as fearless and to to push that side of innovation mm. you know that's a great drink conversation it is know? and you know i think he also had a great sense of humor around things as well mm. so it's not going to be a dry academic thing you know it's also right. going to be there's going to be humor there's going to be heartbreak it's going to be all those things that are wonderful to be able to have when you're you know a martini with david bowie would have oh, just been god brilliant get out yeah be really amazing well you mentioned fear this was going to be my last question mm. are you ever afraid of, of failing a hundred percent but and I, I think fear is healthy. I think it like helps hone and, and kind of helps you set things up right. But I'm not fear. I'm, I don't have a fear of failing. Mm, I don't. Uh, that's not where my ego is sensitive. Um, I have a fear tied to a responsibility mm. that I'm very conscious that we are a business that has, has kind of been quite dynamic and we've shifted in quite a footloose way. And it could seem like we're very flippant with the fact that there are lots, you know, there's close to 100 people in the team who you know their livelihoods are tied to this and it's not fair to to always like and we're not flippant it's not that we don't do things with consideration so it's it's not like we're gambling each time Mm -hmm, that we mm -hmm. do something new and you know we're throwing their 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 livelihoods on the line but it is something that i i think on a lot is each time we make these decisions are we being conscious of all the people it affects Mm. and are we giving it the the right amount of care or is it because we have a feeling and I, I believe in gut feelings a lot of the things that we've done is because we've noticed something that's happened in the world and we feel like we can reflect something to it yeah but it needs to not dismiss the fact that um yeah there's people as part of that and they've given their time and they put their part of their career into this and mm. you know some people have been with us for huge amounts of time you know how do we make sure that we're being respectful of that and we're setting them up for success rather than like gambling failure yeah oh it's it's amazing i couldn't imagine a better like half dimly lit room to sit here and talk <laughs> about life with you really a ple- i'm so glad i reached out because this has just been a pleasure to chat with you about couldn't life agree man. more like it's you know these are the kind of conversations as you say it's um it feels much just more like a lovely dialogue That's like right, yeah. and you know i think whenever you get into these kind of conversations you even if it's something inherent to yourself, you, you learn something new when you put it out into the world. And so yes. the idea of like discussing these things and, and caring about it and being able to have these types of conversation is, I, I find it really meaningful and I'm very grateful for no, it. No, same. And I hope we keep in touch. It's 100%. I love London and I can't believe I did this interview without sleep for like over a day. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, hats off to you. I could, I could like see the words <laughs> kind of fall in. It's like, oh shit, it was there and it just like <laughs> fell to the bottom of my mind. But it, it, all, it all worked out. Ryan, thanks so much for chatting. Hopefully talk Absolute soon. Absolute pleasure. Cheers. Thank you. Well, there we have it. Ryan, Mr. Lion from White Lion, Dandelion, Lioness, and so much more. Really great getting to talk about life, philosophy, creativity, his team, the culture. You know, to me, the bars that I've been to, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not special. I've, I've traveled around quite a bit, and I've seen many, many cocktail bars throughout the world, but something about the lion concepts to me they ring louder and they ring more innovatively than any other places i've ever been to in my life seed library included which is 
there in Shoreditch, which I visited in the trip as well. The service is great. It's never over-imposing. The cocktails are never too smart for their own good. Now, the process to make some of the ingredients might be a little ornate at times, but the drinks themselves are so accessible, so beautiful, and so balanced. It's about balance. And the last bit about that, Ryan, something I'd like to commend you on, is you and your team perfectly balance execution with the service itself. It's always a pleasure to go to one of your bars and see the team work. So thanks, everybody, for listening to Show to V with Mike G. I've got some more interviews coming up from this Scotland trip, including the founder of Kilhoman and the founder of Port of Leith Distillery. It was quite a trip. So no matter how many more episodes of Tales from the Crypt you want to watch, just clear out spooky season. Or if you're thinking, man, I think my Halloween costume is pretty good. We'll see what everybody says tomorrow. Please keep dancing.